0: Hey, Being at Work listeners. Welcome back to another episode. The spirit of this show, Being at Work, is highlighting our humanness at work. After all, we are all walking around as the lead character in our own story. And a key competence for leaders is building trust within their teams, creating an environment where team members can be human, where team members can speak up and share whatever is going on with them. So I'm grateful for today's conversation, because that's what this is all about, how to create that kind of an environment. Imagine stepping into a new leadership role, overseeing a global team of about 200 people, and the bulk of your team is located thousands of miles away. Through that pivotal experience, today's guest learned important leadership lessons about building trust, creating an environment where people can speak up through collaboration. Myri Olvera is the Vice President of People Development for Quantum Five. But what you really need to know about Myri is how through that experience, She created an environment for team members to raise the red flag and to reach out for help, even though the only connection she had with them was through conference calls. Listen in as we talk about the importance of understanding and respecting cultural differences and teeing up team members when the timing is right. Check it out.
1: one of the things that I always say if you look at my resume and ask a little bit about my history that I've always really truly loved helping people I started my career in finance and accounting and traditionally not where most HR professionals start but for me having that opportunity to start learning and working with teams it doesn't matter what industry you're in working with teams is really about supporting one another and for me as I managed to get that first management role and then develop from there, that's really what made me so interested in trying to learn how to be more collaborative and work with folks. And that's really made me excited about getting more and more into the people side of the world and brought me to today to people development, which really is what I truly wanted from
0: the beginning. And again, it doesn't matter your industry, it's how you engage with your team. Absolutely. So how did you make that transition from finance and accounting to the people function?
1: Well, ultimately, as I was getting into and started into my management side of my career, what I truly found was I loved developing and training my team. I started off with a small team of about four folks. And what I really loved was us helping one another and collaborating. And when I had the opportunity, I said to one of my leaders, who was a great mentor, I said to her, I said, Hey, I know our team needs more development. I know we need more training. I don't have a traditional training background, but of course I know our team. If you want to start that type of work, I raised my hand, I said, pick me, please pick me. And she said, "We'll think about it. And it took some time, but that's how I really transitioned from leading a team of accounting professionals to getting into that development side of it and really starting that training. And from there, building those skills in an environment that I already knew. And then from there, was able to truly jump into the training side and the HR and the people development as a full-time role, as opposed to developing it from the accounting
0: and finance side. So it was really very fortunate. I love the fact that you raised your hand and said, pick me, because that takes courage. It must have been an environment that was open to that.
1: Absolutely. That particular person who was a mentor to me, she was fantastic. She was a traditional, had CPA background, and that was something that she truly loved. But she was great at developing folks as well. And she knew that while I liked the finance and accounting side, it wasn't really where I flourished. And so she saw that I could be more than what I was at that time, but knew that I was looking for something different and having that ability and trust with her
0: was such a gift. And she really helped me move into that new role. Well, and I know that we're going to talk about creating a safe environment for people to speak up and to share. And so that was modeled for you early in your career the value of that. It gave you the courage to say, pick me. Here's what I really want to do.
1: Absolutely. I've been very fortunate. I think mentoring is really important for people, whether you're doing it intentionally as a true mentor-mentee relationship or just recognizing people in your team as a leader to really help support them. I think if you ask most folks who are in positions of leadership, they've had at least
0: one mentor in their life and they recognize the importance of that as well. Yeah, someone that sees your potential, someone who helps to pave the way. So invaluable. So well done to your mentor for setting the stage for then what would become this really important pivotal moment where some of these leadership lessons would come to life for you in such an important way.
1: It was truly at the beginning of my career. I had been managing for about two years. And again, I'd started with smaller teams, about four, then up to about 10, and then eventually moving into this senior manager position of managing a team of 200 people, which included 15 direct managers, and then of course their respective teams. And as you mentioned, the majority of the team was in Jamaica and I was based in the US. And this was a model that we had been working with for a few years at that time. But it wasn't often that you had that large of a team at my level. And I was excited and nervous, but I had worked with the team. I knew them a little bit, but not as well, obviously, as I was about to working with them as their direct manager.
0: Give us a little context around like what was the work that you were doing? What was the goal of that team? We did payroll exception processing for
1: a major car manufacturer. So we were doing everything that related to anything with payroll that was an exception process. So from international pay to executive pay to just the hourly pay, salary pay, and anything that associated expense reporting. So all of those things, and it was quite a large manufacturing organization. So it was in the tens of thousands of employees that we were engaging with on a regular basis. So it was quite complex, but really interesting work. And that team in Jamaica, they had been doing the work for about, I think, three years at that point. And at that point, we were looking to really develop them so that we could bring in the next leader that would be from Jamaica so that they could actually manage the team. And so I was that person
0: to come in to help transition that as well. That's great. Did you think it might be somebody in the team or was there someone externally in Jamaica that you were going to bring on board? No,
1: we truly were looking at someone on a team. And again, it was that mentor-mentee relationship. And she was fantastic, but she wasn't quite there yet because she'd managed a large team and we saw her potential, but we wanted to give her a little bit more time and development before she came into the position.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, and especially with your passion for people and development, what a great opportunity for you to really expand that in this way.
1: Yes, this was another stepping stone to that. Getting into that more people development, HR role was really coming in and developing folks either on the
0: U.S. side or internationally. It was always a joy to do that for me. That's great. So here, all of a sudden, you find yourself with this global team of about 200 You said 15 direct reports, right? And most of the team was in Jamaica. Wow, like how are you feeling about that? Like upon being given that assignment?
1: It was really exciting. And one thing to keep in mind too, while there was of course video conferencing at that time, it was quite expensive. And so for me, we didn't video conference so most of these people that we would engage with on a daily basis we never saw their faces unless they traveled to us or we traveled there so that made it even more challenging because obviously in today's world where you're able to see one another on camera while it's not exactly the same as in person you at least have a sense of their engagement or lack thereof whereas in this environment where I was traveling once a month, I couldn't be there every day because I lived in the US and that wasn't the intent of moving me to another country. And for the most part, when we had these meetings, you could imagine they're all sitting in a conference room and they're staring at a conference phone on the table and that's their leader talking to them. So lots of different layers of challenges in that, but, it really had to be a lot of trust and collaboration to make it successful.
0: Yeah. And so building trust and collaboration where they're just hearing a voice through that conference line, that must have been really hard for you. So how did you build trust? We had weekly team meetings
1: and it was a check-in and usually they were about 30 minutes to an hour. And you can imagine all 15 of them sitting in. I'm sitting in my remote office in the U.S. and talking on the phone. And that very first meeting, they knew me tangentially, some of them I worked closer with than others because I had been part of the team and a peer and now I was their leader. And so I came in and introduced myself and had a full agenda and was really prepared and really excited about meeting everyone. And I went through my agenda and I asked questions and we had a brief conversation. But at the end, of course, I'll always ask the question, how can I help you? There wasn't much sort of conversation and we hung up the phone and I thought, okay, you know, it's the first meeting, that's fine. And I thought, but I think it really went well. So I was pretty excited about that. So the next week rolls around, new agenda, new meeting, walk through some sort of interaction, but not much. And at the end, of course, Hey, any challenges? What's going on? Again, Not much response, didn't really say much. And I thought, okay, that's great. I guess I'm really helping and getting the conversation and really being effective, little did I know. And so the third week rolls around and the same thing happens. This is strange, but okay. Half patting myself on the back and half going, I'm good, but I'm not that good. (laughs) So later that week. One of the managers gave me a call, and she was having a particular challenge. And we spoke one-on-one, and we had this amazing conversation, and I'd never had this great of a conversation with her, and we collaborated, and we talked about problem solving, and talked about a way to solve it, and we hung up, felt really good, and she was done with the challenges she had, and she re- reached out to me before the meeting and said, hey, everything's great. So that next week, we had a meeting, and I thought, okay, well, this is great. So I had a chance to talk with Her name was Karen. I had a chance to talk with Karen and everything's fine. We have the meeting again. I've got my agenda. I start going through the items. And at the end, I said, hey, does anybody want to add anything? Again, it was quiet. And then I said, hey, Karen, could you do me a favor? Would you share the conversation that we had earlier this week and some of the challenges you had? It might help other folks out. And so she said, sure. And so she shared it. And then everybody you know, started chatting and talking about some collaboration on that. And we ended the call, and we hung up. And I thought, that's interesting. I'm going to try this again. So the next week comes around. We have our meeting again. And what I did is someone had asked me something in email, and I hadn't had a chance to chat with them. So I just directed it at the end. I said, hey, Erica, I didn't get a chance to answer this email. Can we talk a little bit about this? And then everybody started talking, and everybody started kind of coming together. And I noticed, okay, I'm seeing something here, the literal light bulb above your head moment. And ultimately, what I discovered, and I continued to do this, was a couple things. One, they were nervous, obviously, trying to learn from me. What was my style? But also two, I discovered later on, culturally, There was a difference, whereas Americans usually like to be the first ones to speak, but not all cultures are like that. And I discovered that in some cases, and I don't mean to say across the board, but they were almost waiting for me to open the door for them to speak. And so when I had that opportunity, that initial opportunity with Karen, and that we had that conversation, she really helped break the ice to show hey, yes, you can have this conversation. She wants to share, she really wants to know, this is not just the word, it's truly she wants to be able to help. And it was such a touchstone for me because I recognized that I can't just assume that people are comfortable talking to me, one. And two, I can't assume that we're all in this rush to be heard like a lot of folks in the U.S. and I have to really build that trust. And I was able to build it through one person who was able to demonstrate
0: and model it. It's so good. And it doesn't come by default. There's something in the story that I so appreciate. Even though you weren't getting a lot of feedback in those meetings, you were asking, how can I help? And even the way you talk, I suspect your body language, even though you were on the phone, was open. You really did care about these people. And no doubt they could feel that. So that Karen did reach out to you, you created an environment that was open that said, hey, I care. I want to help. Making that first phone call like that had to be a bit anxiety provoking for her. You leverage that with her peers who do have connection and trust with her. So by default, then, OK, if Karen talked to Myrie, then I can, too.
1: It was interesting because she was one of the quieter folks. You know, like anything else, you've got the folks that are more gregarious and she was a bit quieter and always excellent at what she did. She was amazing, but she was just struggling with a particular situation and I was happy to help. And to your point, they probably recognized that I was so, I was like, please let me know. I wanna help you. <laughs> it's not just words, I promise. So I felt very fortunate. It was such an important lesson that I think about every day. And it really brings me to where I am today because you have to build that trust. You have to give people the opportunity to speak. Sometimes you have to ask. And one of the things that I've heard since that time is asking how you can help. Another thing that I've heard that I thought was fantastic at the end of every one-on-one, I try and say, what can I do for you? And it really opens that door. Sometimes I have folks that say, no, I'm good but they at least know
0: that I truly want to know how I can help them. It's not just a one-way street. And it's not a one and done. It takes time for that trust to develop. And it's also so much in how you say it and literally your posture. Is it an open posture that really sends the message, I care? And interestingly enough, one of the things that we talk about, it's that posture
1: and the inflection in your voice If you are face to face, like you said, the eye contact or truly being open and giving the space to speak because our words are one part of communication. And especially when you're a little conference room telephone in the middle of a conference room of 15 people and having that
0: openness and continued dialogue is so key. Yeah, it's so good. There's another part of the story that I want to dive into a little bit. You teed Karen up. You said to her, like, Karen, would you mind sharing with the group? And that teeing up is really important. You equipped her to have that conversation. No doubt that was strategic on your part, and you were thoughtful about that. Like, did you know going into that meeting that you were going to do that? How did that all come about? One part that I actually had spoken to her and said to her prior to the meeting
1: hey, this would be great to talk about in this conversation. She seemed to be open to that. And so when I did tee her up in the meeting, she was prepped as well. So it wasn't a complete surprise to her that I had teed her up because truly I wanted to be respectful of her because sometimes people don't like to talk in groups even if they know everyone in the group. And also showing that I really wanted her to share or conversation, and that it can be had. And hopefully she knew that I just didn't want to put her on the spot. And that's why I asked in advance, because that's important too. Not everybody's as comfortable opening up in a room of peers, just because sometimes it can be hard.
0: Yeah. So you didn't put her on the spot. You asked her in advance, again, modeling, trust building, and collaboration. When I asked you for a pivotal moment in your career, you said this one immediately. What was it for you, Myrie, that was so pivotal in this situation?
1: A couple things. One,
0: recognizing that
1: it can take time to build trust. Sometimes it can take weeks, months, and you have to show trust as well as to receive trust. So that was one thing that was really important. Also, making assumptions, assuming that everybody was okay, and assuming you asking in that environment that everybody would be comfortable saying if they weren't. It seems very common sense, but I think a lot of times, at least for me as a young manager, I hadn't thought about that. I thought, oh, of course they're gonna wanna talk to me. That's what I'm here for. You know, I'm supposed to be leading them and managing them and helping them be the best that they can be. Not everybody feels that way. Not everybody feels that that manager is that person. And through intent or not, that's what we all should be. So those two things, really understanding trust, collaboration, and then being realistic. We're in a global market today. Not everybody manages things in the same way that you're used to, whether you're in the US or Jamaica or Europe or wherever you may be. You have to learn what's the cultural norm for them
0: so that you can build that trust. An analogy that came to mind for me is parking in your garage at home. We have just cleaned out our garage at home. And I am loving pulling into the garage these days because it's easy to pull into the garage. But there was a time when the garage was so full, it took a lot of navigating. And sometimes it was easier just to park in the driveway because it's a lot of work to get into the garage. And it's the same thing. Like, are we creating an environment for our team members where it's easy to have those conversations? Are we clearing out the gunk and opening the door for those conversations and as your story reminds me it's a lot of little things along the way that send that message when there's evidence of openness and care it's much easier for me to raise my hand and say pick me like you did with your mentor early on in your career
1: absolutely and it's so true to your analogy, sometimes there are things that are in there that you forget are in there and you have to move them away. And some of that was my assumptions of, oh, well, this team has worked with Americans long enough. They probably know how we all work and it's all about speaking up first and you can't make those assumptions. You have to truly understand and as you say, clear out the extra junk, clear out those assumptions, clear out that old way of thinking to really make it come in new.
0: There you go. So here's to clearing out the junk, to creating an environment where people can be who they are. They can share where they are and what's going on with them. How does a leader get to the point where he or she is able to do that? What do you think are some of the characteristics of leaders who create that kind of an environment?
1: Truly, it's all about learning and self-awareness and continuing to educate yourself. Things go so quickly. There are so many different types of leadership styles that you hear about, but I would say the core foundation of any successful leadership style is always one, communication and collaboration in one way, shape, or form. Yes, leaders need to make decisions and they need to move forward, but doing that in the absence of understanding what's happening is short-sighted. So truly understanding communication, building trust, and collaboration are ways to really move forward for, I think,
0: anyone, and whether you're an individual contributor or a leader, is key. Yeah, I so agree with you. Paying attention to what's happening in the environment, paying attention to what's happening within you We are all creating ripples every single day based on how we're feeling. And so paying attention to that. If you're feeling shitty, you're probably creating shitty ripples for the people in your life. If you're feeling good, you're probably creating good ripples.
1: Absolutely. And it's even simple things. You think about going to a grocery store and how many times have you walked through and the cashier on the other side, and you can tell they've just had hundreds of people go through their line every day. I haven't been a grocery store cashier, but I have been a person who's been a frontline worker in the sense of when I was younger, I worked in a ticket booth. And so I was seeing all these people go through and it was like an escalator of folks. And I remember the people that would actually pause, look me in the eye and go, hi, or how are you almost surprised me. And so sometimes you do have to pause, make a connection even if it's small, and smile at the person, because it's as difficult as it may seem. Everybody needs that human
0: connection. My big takeaway is just how to create an an environment for team members to speak up. And that's what you have modeled for us through this story. So thank you so much, Myri. If our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? LinkedIn is the best
1: way. I'm under Myri McIntyre Olvera. So we'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you, Myrie. Thank you,
0: Andrea. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.